0: I do want to welcome one more time everybody tuning in online. So glad that you are with us today. And I believe wherever you're tuning in from, God has a word. He's going to speak to you, whether you're online or in the room. I am not the lead pastor. I say it every time. If you hate today, come back. Uh, because the, the real deal is the good deal. And uh, what does that even mean? I don't know. But, but um, we, are, we, we are wrapping up uh, our Unhinged series. And we, uh, anybody else has been so challenged, inspired uh, by these last few weeks, if you've missed them, please go back and uh, just—you just need to binge because what we're doing. I love the tagline of the series, by the way. It says, "The man who flipped the world upside down." And what we're doing over the last few weeks is flipping our concept of Jesus upside down. We're taking the Sunday school stale, old, blue-eyed, blonde-haired, religious, safe, sanitized, Americanized, domesticated Jesus and blowing that idea to smithereens. And we're discovering that Jesus might be wilder than we ever imagined. He might be more passionate than we ever imagined. He is, here's the good news, whether you're religious or not, he might be better than we ever imagined. And so we're learning about, a little bit, about this journey of who the real Jesus is. And we are wrapping up the last week today. And, you know, today's going to be interesting. We, anytime you speak, here's what I know. Sometimes I speak and I know that, uh, for anyone that's lonely in the room, this message is for you. Then there's other times I preach that I know, okay, for anybody that's full of fear, this message is for you. Or if there's anybody that's battling with addiction or despair, this message is for you. And if you're any of those things online or in the room, this message is for you. But there is a specific group of people under the sound of my voice that this message is for today. And this message, if you're listening online or in the room, this message is for anyone who truly loves bread. Am I speaking to anybody's soul yet? So it doesn't matter. You know, today you may you may be a Christian, an atheist, a Muslim, a Satanist. If you love Olive Garden breadsticks today, this message is going to speak to straight to your gut. It really is. Do you love bread? What kind of bread do you like? I. Um, my dad, I'm from the South and my dad is old school Southern. Anybody, Anybody know any kind of like old school traditional people that they have to have bread at every meal? And if you know me, like one of my, I don't know if it's a flaw, but one of my weird things is I like to go to sometimes bougie restaurants where, you know, you pay way too much for a small little plate and never, it never fails. My dad will, he'll be like, or they're they bringing out bread with that, uh, and he'll call the waitress. Are they bringing out bread? I'm like, Dad, they don't. <laughs> no, no, no. They, they just, no, this is not Golden crowd. They're they don't, They're not bringing out bread with everything. But my dad always asked for bread. Um, I, I've not had it in a while. But when I started thinking about this, I started thinking. Anybody? I've not been there in forever. But Red Lobster, those garlic biscuits. Anybody? Olive Garden breadsticks. Oh, Charlie's rolls. Hey, if you're fasting, can I just give you a cheat? Just don't tell the Lord. Sweet Hawaiian rolls. You just eat 20 of them a day. That you're doing bread and water. That's all you do. Um, I fell in love with bread when I lived in Argentina for about a year, my second year in college, and I discovered something called pan dulce, which is bread where they would put dulce de leche all over it. Uh, Two things that were dangerous that happened in this. I don't know if I'm going to ever get to my message, but we're just going to talk about bread for a minute. But um, (laughs) two things. Take it from me. Don't learn the hard way that pan dulce is also, um, in in Argentina at least, slang for, you tell the opposite sex, uh, sweet buns. So... (laughs) Just, you know, don't learn the hard way to ask for sweet buns, not call somebody sweet buns. But then also, some of you can think about that later. But then also, um, they eat a lot of bread in Argentina. So for the first month after we moved there, a bunch of Americans, all the American girls and a few guys gained 15 pounds in the first month. And they're not as culturally sensitive there. And so all the RAs, I'll never forget the time I walked into the dorm room and several of the girls and one of the guys was crying because they just let them know that morning just straight up, hey, you've gotten pretty fat. I just told him you got him pretty fat. So we're going to talk about bread, and the message that Jesus gives. It, it's it's about bread, and it's challenging and inspiring. But then I got to be honest, it gets kind of weird. Jesus kind of takes a weird turn, and so we're going to go. If you have uh, your Bibles or you have your phone with your Bible on it, John chapter six, uh, we're going to start in verse 24. This passage is right off the heels of Jesus doing some miracles that if you've been around church for a while, you're probably familiar with, Uh, the the multiplying, the feeding of the thousands through the the bread and the the fish, and then Jesus walking on water uh, back to a town called Capernaum. We're going to talk about that in a second, where Jesus gives this talk. And so starting in John 6, verse 24, it says this. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum, to look for him. Now, I'm going to stop already. I just, wanna, I just want you to buckle up, by the way. We're going to cover a lot. This passage is long. Is that okay? Tell the person beside you, say, you look spiritual enough for it. You got it. You got it. It's long, and I'm going to stop a good bit along the way, and we'll see where we end up. It's going to be an adventure. Who knows where we'll land, but we'll get there somewhere. Is that okay? Some of you are nervous. Why did I? <laughs> what is happening? So, um, Jesus, I just want to stop here because if we're going to do a whole series on Jesus, I just think it would be nice each week to learn some interesting facts about Jesus. So are you okay with a little bit of Jesus trivia? Yeah. So it says that he went back to the town of Capernaum. Anybody like me sometimes, when you're, if you're reading through the New Testament, if you read the Bible, you kind of get lost in all the different towns and locations. You're like, okay, Jesus went there, then he went there. I know something about Nazareth. Bethlehem sounds familiar. So just so you know, and hopefully this will help and you'll never forget it. Uh, there's four major towns that you hear about in the life of Jesus. Number one, you've probably heard of Bethlehem, right? That's where Jesus was Born, he was born in a little town called Bethlehem. Some of you are remembering the Christmas uh, song. And then he was raised in Nazareth. Nazareth. That's actually, you don't see a lot of his teenage, adolescent years in Scripture. But he was raised in a town called Nazareth. Interestingly, and just an encouragement for anyone that's feeling of rejection today, Jesus was ultimately rejected by that town of Nazareth that he grew up in. So he ended up to going to a town called Capernaum, which we're about to talk about. But if you remember Jerusalem, Jerusalem is also an important city because that's where Jesus visited a lot of times. It's where he ultimately was killed, crucified, and I believe raised from the grave and then came back. But this town called Capernaum, I actually had the chance to visit a few years ago in Israel, and I brought just one picture. I promise you I'm not going to do a slideshow, but I brought one picture, and this is what you see when you go into—I'm just stalling until it comes up. This is what you see when you go into Israel, into the town of Capernaum, into is about to one, two, three, go, and we're going to see it. Maybe not, um, but it is, it's, it's, if it comes up, we'll see. But it's a gate that says the town of Jesus. And the reason it says that is because after Jesus was rejected in Nazareth, he ended up doing most of his life's mission in Capernaum. So Jesus died when he was 33. He didn't begin his ministry till 30. Maybe you didn't know that. There were only three years of Jesus' life that he actually called disciples to follow him, did miracles, healed the sick, raised the dead, and taught messages. And that's primarily what you see in the gospels. This is the town of Capernaum, and that's where he goes this day. And so he he goes to the town of Capernaum, and then it says, they found him there on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me, listen to this, because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. So Jesus gets feisty already and basically says, hey, you don't really care about what I have to offer as far as me. You just want what I can give you. Anybody ever had somebody ask you to go out to eat and then they forgot their wallet? So so they've been fed by Jesus, but they don't really want Jesus. And my hunch is that after a long day of teaching, Jesus is finally back in his hometown, wants some rest. Some people are following him, but he's starting to pick up. They don't really want what he can offer as far as his own relationship. They don't really want him. They just want what he can give them. And Jesus loves them enough to kind of push back on it. And so he says, you just Or follow me because I fed you. And they replied, we want to perform God's works too. They get really spiritual. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. And they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. Have you ever told God that? If you'll just prove it, then I'll follow you. And after all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus makes a really bold statement. I want you to catch this. He says, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. This is pretty bold. He's saying, hey, you know that little magic trick that that Moses did in the wilderness? That wasn't Moses. That was actually God through Moses satisfying the cravings of their physical bodies. But now standing in front of you is another form of bread to satisfy the craving of the souls on earth. So he says, this is what you need to know. I know you're really proud of your religious heritage, but standing in front of you is actual nourishment for the human spirit. And so he tells them this. And they kind of get offended and he goes on and they say at first, give us that bread every day. He replies, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. He's doing what he does best. He's using things you and I understand and physical cravings to speak to the cravings of the soul. It's kind of like if you remember the story of when Jesus met the woman at the well. The adulterous woman, the woman that was living in sin, and he kind of reads her mail and says, you've been going from relationship to relationship to relationship, from sin to sin to sin, and the only reason you're doing that is because there's a gnawing inside that you're trying to scrape to fill, but if you would come drink from me, the true living water, you would actually never thirst again. And so he's speaking this in different terms. I love, he's saying the same thing, but in different ways. He's saying, look, there is a hunger in the world, and I am the living nourishment sent down from heaven to fill it. Yeah. And so they keep going on, and then, but, but to be honest, I'm gonna skip down. Here's where it starts to get weird. Are you ready for it? He says this I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip down to uh, verse 53. So Jesus said, I tell you the truth. So it's inspiring so far, right? Right? Jesus, is like, look, I know your soul's hungry, but I'm here to fill it. But then it gets weird. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. Now, we read these scriptures like we're so used to church, like, oh, that's, yes. I have that memorized. That's wonderful. Eat his flesh and drink his blood. That kind of reverse Dracula philosophy is everything I've lived by for the last 23 years. I... But I want you to picture the staff of Jesus listening to this moment, right? I picture Thomas freaking out. Wait, what did he just say? Or or, you know, John, maybe he's writing the gospel and he's writing it and he just kinda, he's like, this is so good, oh my gosh, this is gonna great, great manuscript. And he's just writing and he's like, wait, what did you say? Did you say drink his blood? Uh, No, uh, Judas, did you swap out his message notes again? I knew. You always do this. Judas, you try to give him the wrong, cut the teleprompter, cut the mic. I I just picture like John saying, okay, last week was amazing. At worship night, when Jesus did the whole thing of multiplying all the food, that was amazing. That got about 20,000 shares on Facebook. But I'm telling you right now, Bartholomew, there's no way you can make an Instagram reel out of this moment. There is no way, even if you slow it down and put inspiring music behind it, that you can cut a clip of Jesus saying, welcome to our online church. You must drink my blood and eat my flesh. There's no way we can do it. And I imagine there's somebody in the audience that's saying, see, this is why I don't go to church. My uncle John always told me, you go there. They only want two things. They want your money and they want to turn you into a cannibal. (laughs) So Jesus leans in and for whatever reason, this is crazy. Jesus, instead of like backing up, pushes into it even more. They get offended and he keeps going and he, and he says a lot of things about no, I am the true living bread. And then they come to the disciples kind of pull him aside and say, "Hey, this is a hard saying." Which how, how diplomatic are the disciples instead of, "Hey, Jesus, what are you doing?" They're like, hmm, "Hey. Hey, so that was different. Can we um can we kind of like analyze sermon notes next time before the next one or we just kind of maybe we just kind of workshop your messages from now on?" I, I just that was and Jesus tells them, I love this part of Jesus. This, this is the part of Jesus we don't think about. He says, hey, do you want to leave too? Okay. See, I think, I, I think sometimes in, in, in an overambition to communicate how deeply and passionately God loves us because he does, because this same Jesus that's talking is the one that laid down his life for me and you, that said, I'd rather die than be without you. This is the same Jesus that passionately loves us and pr- pursues us and, and directs his mercy and grace towards us. But I think sometimes we go over, overboard and we think that uh, Jesus' love for us is a pathetic need for us. Well. You know, they say the greatest relationships are where your want for each other, you sees your need for each other. Isn't it a paradigm shift to think that God desperately loves me, but he doesn't need me? Doesn't that kind of mess with you, but in a good way? <laughs> the, 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 and so Jesus says, look, do you want to leave too? And I love the response of the disciples. They, they said, I think it was Peter, It said, Lord, you have the words of eternal life. Where would we go? And, uh, and so w- why did Jesus lean in so hard? Why did he get a little vampire diaries on them in this moment? <laughs> I, I think there's, there's a few layers to this, but I, I think, first of all, I wonder if Jesus watched people follow him to the town of Capernaum, and I wonder if he, if he was trying to push a, you ever heard DTR define the relationship? I, I wonder if he was trying to say, okay, you, you've watched me feed uh, you, you've watched me do the things that you wanna do. Now I wanna know, are you actually committed? Are you actually all in? I, I wonder if Jesus knew. Has anybody ever seen somebody And you thought to yourself, man, if I could just have the relationship with God they they have. Anybody like me, I'm just like, man, if I could pray like them, if I could see God bring down power like them, if I could do. And I wonder if the reason sometimes I don't experience that is because I'm still following from a distance and I haven't gone all in. I wonder if Jesus, in this weird way of saying, eat my flesh, if he's saying, for you to really experience abundant life, you need to be consumed and you must consume to be consumed. Like you must actually pursue my presence and my, you must lean all in if you want to experience all that I have. For some reason, I have the image almost of like an ocean. And someone describing how beautiful the ocean is, how mysterious the ocean is, how powerful the ocean is. And I still got my toe in the water to try to experience a little bit of the refreshment, a little bit of it. But someone's saying, hey, it's not until you leave the safety of your boat and dive all into the ocean that you're actually going to experience all the beauty of the ocean. And Jesus saying, I want you to dive all in. The second thing I, I, I wonder if uh, is it a layer to this is... The humanity of Jesus that, again, may be annoyed that he sees a whole group of people following him for what he can do and not for who he is. It's it's easy to fall into that trap, isn't it? Y'all are really religious. Nod your head if you've ever been like me and ignored Jesus for days and weeks on end. And then, oh, God, I love you because I need you to help me in my job. God, I love you because I need you to provide. God, I love you. I need you to heal me. And he's like, we haven't spoken in months. And I am thank God that he's full, full of mercy. I thank God that I don't have to work my way back. I thank God that he's full of grace. But you know what God longs for me and him to have is a actual friendship intimacy. He doesn't want a marriage partner who's married them for money. He wants an intimacy with his bride, of people who have fallen in love with who he is. Because guess what? When I fall in love with who he is and not what he can do, then when times get hard, I won't bail. And Jesus knows the greatest thing he can give us is himself. But those aren't the two layers that I want to talk about. I want to talk about bread. We got saltine crackers. In the spirit of Easter, we have uh, cheddar bunnies. We got oyster crackers and we got Triscuits. Um, and then we got dark rye loaf bread. And... Uh, I just want you to write down a note, really theological note, tuck away for later. You got your pen ready? Got your iCloud notes ready? God loves bread. God loves bread. And it sounds funny, but honestly, if you read through Scripture, it's really hard not to come away with the impression because there's so many references to bread, how many are already hungry? Just listening to this, you're already hungry. You're like, I hate you. I'm just like, I'm making reservations on my phone. I'm actually not taking notes to make reservations. Um, I hope it's full. Um, but <laughs> why do I insult the audience every time? I it's us. We're in this together. But you read. I mean, even starting back in Exodus, you see God. As, a, as kind of like a, a movie trailer to the New Testament, as a movie trailer to what Jesus will be in our lives, as a movie trailer to what heaven is gonna be, God actually instructs his people to create temples and tabernacles with all of the symbolism of what we will one day be. There's like curtains that actually represent before Jesus this veil between humanity and God. There's candlesticks and lamps and and rugs and all these kind of things. And then you actually see as you approach the Holy of Holies something called the consecrated bread of his presence which again is pointing towards Jesus, that one day Jesus is gonna come and be Emmanuel, God, with us, but it's pointing to the presence of God. You see that when the children of Israel are stranded in the desert, God provides for their hunger by giving them daily manna. It's kind of this flaky bread substance. And it's from that that in Deuteronomy, Jesus would quote back later and say, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then there would be this guy named Elijah that really loved bread because one time he was down by a drought in a ravine and he was hungry and God provided for him by sending ravens that would bring him meat and bread every morning. How many wants that divine door dash? I would love that. But then later on in the same chapter, uh, Elijah goes to a widow who needs a miracle and it seems kind of rude, but Elijah says, hey, first bake me some bread. And then through her obedience, God provides. And then later on, Elijah has this epic moment on Mount Carmel where God sends down fire against all his enemies. But then there's this girl that threatens him. And a few days later, he's suicidal. So he prays, God, kill me. I don't wanna live. I am so depressed. And what does God say? God says, take a nap. And while Elijah was napping, God had an angel bake bread on a hot stone. I wanna call it a donut and said, there you go. And the Bible says that on that strength, Elijah fled. All throughout the, the Old Testament, you see all of these references of bread. And then I know I'm getting excited, but you're gonna you're gonna go crazy when I tell you this. And maybe you won't, but I am. But then you go to the New Testament and guess what? Jesus is born. He says, I'm the bread of life. And let's do a reverse trivia from a few moments ago. So you have Jerusalem where Jesus was died and raised from the dead. Then you have uh, Capernaum where he did his life's mission. And then you have Nazareth where he was raised. And then Bethlehem is where he was born. And does anybody wanna take a stab it. what Bethlehem means? House of bread. Don't tell me God's not poetic. Out of the house of bread into a starving famished world comes the bread of life. If I was a lesser preacher, I would go on a rant about how Panera gives way to the prophet, but I won't do it. But Jesus comes along, Adrian. He says, I'm bread. He says, I'm bread. And I'm everything that your soul has been craving for. Write down. See, here's here's the beautiful. See, God doesn't just love bread. In an odd sort of way, God is bread. He's the nourishment we've been looking for. And I, I, I love this. And then, see, there's this. Here's what's crazy, though. Just like a few verses before in the same chapter, there's another bread scenario. I mentioned it. But this is, th- th- there are two stories where Jesus multiplies fish and loaves. But a few verses before this moment, before Jesus walked across the sea, Jesus is teaching a crowd. They get hungry. And then he says, okay, well, I've met all your spiritual needs. Go home. That was a joke. He, he didn't do that. He He said to his disciples, feed them. And they said, well, we can't physically feed them. And he says, here's how we're going to feed them. And God does this huge miracle supernaturally. He steals a little kid's lunchbox and and (laughs) multiplies all the food. But I saw something this week that, I don't know if you're a personality typing person. I, your Enneagram, some of my friends argue, but I am an Enneagram 3 and, And what that means is, if I'm not careful, I can get my value, my 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 sense of significance from achievement or performance or the opinions of others. Anybody struggle with that when you're unhealthy? We're gonna have. I know we don't do this a lot. We're gonna have an altar call for lying, like right afterwards. But there's something I saw that I've never seen before as I was reading it this past week, and maybe I won't speak to anybody else, but it 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 did something to me. After Jesus multiplied the fish and loaves, after he did this inspiring miracle, after he had this great achievement, the people chased him down. And look what it says in John 6, 14 through 15. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, therefore, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. This may sound really, really crazy, but Jesus' response to this miracle is actually more impressive to me than the miracle. I won't speak for you, but I got to be honest, if I'm in a, if my emotional tank is low, if I'm not like, can I just be spiritual, feasting on the bread of life, then the praise they gave me, let's make you king, that would have been hard to resist. Okay, I'll just be honest there would be part of me that would be tempted to say, yes, okay, tell me how great I am again. Tell me how great that was. Tell me how wonderful that is. Let me sit here and soak in your praise and let me metabolize your approval. Let me fully digest all your acceptance because I really need that, I really crave that. And yet Jesus somehow was already so that in a nice way, it's like he said, you know what, that's great, and one day I will be king, but not by you. But in this moment, I don't need the crumbs of your acceptance. I'm not so desperate and starving for the the, the crackers, the crumbs of your approval. I'm already full. I, I am actually too called to need your compliments, and I am too full to need your flattery. Because by the way, I'm about to sneak off to the mountain and have a real feast on the friendship and presence of my father here's what I know online or in the room and maybe you don't even believe in God we could grab coffee later and go back to the garden of Eden and just psychoanalyze all the things that happened when the relationship between God and man was fractured and the hole erupted in the human soul But whether you believe in God or not, let's just be honest. All you have to do is look at the news or really just take an honest look inside to come to the realization that all of us, if we're really being honest, are hungry inside. Like, I am hungry. There is a hunger in the human soul. And here's what I know. Everyone in this room, tomorrow physically, you will eat something, unless you're like intermittent fasting. But here's what I also know spiritually in the soul, all of us will eat something. So, so the question, I know it's like the simplest message. The question is not when it comes to our souls, will you eat? The question is, what will you eat? So, so the the most important question, I know you're thinking the most important question right now is where am I going to lunch afterwards? But the most important question is not where will you go to lunch after church day. The most important question is where will you eat tomorrow morning when you're afraid? Where will you eat tomorrow night when you're alone and no one's looking between you and the screen? Because I think sometimes what we don't realize is the temptations and the fears are really a cue to a deeper hunger. Can I say this? When 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 I'm tempted by lust, there's a deeper hunger actually beneath that and it's a hunger for true intimacy. And if I don't find a healthy way to fulfill that between God and other people, then I will find the cheap substitute of lust that ironically will leave me emptier. When I'm, when I'm conf- I, I don't know, What? Where, where do you go to eat? When I'm, tempt- when I'm tormented in my mind and I'm conflicted, is it possible When I have a hunger for real peace that I'll go to a substance to find a counterfeit peace that not only doesn't satisfy, but it actually leaves me emptier? Is it possible that every time I run somebody down with my words, that's just a cue that I'm hungry? When I feel the need to make someone else feel small, is it possible that every single time I'm full of fear and we all are hungry, the question is where will we take our hunger? And it's an important question because here's the truth that I've found out in my own life. The food you eat will determine the future you experience. Yep. The food I eat, some of you are saying, please, God, don't let that be true physically. Well, <laughs> you, you can debate that later and get it together with your dietitian. But in the soul, the food I continually eat will be the future I experience. And this is where I'm so inspired by Jesus. This is why to me it's so inspiring that he didn't need their praise He didn't need their affirmation. I I see this in a different way when he's about to be arrested and and, 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 uh, when he's been arrested and they're about to kill him and they start throwing all these false accusations Jesus' way and accusing him of all these crazy things. And the Bible says the craziest thing. It says, and Jesus remained silent and didn't defend himself. Like, Jesus, how do you do that? How are you not hungry to explain yourself to anybody that will Listen. How are you not hungry to defend yourself? Or I think about when Jesus was in the wilderness and remember that the enemy comes and actually tempts him with real bread and then tempts him with status and power and influence. And Jesus, what does he say? He says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. It's almost like he's saying, I know this sounds cheesy, but it's almost like he's saying, I have already tasted better bread, so I don't need your cheap crumbs. But we, but see, here's the problem. When I'm hungry, I'll go somewhere, won't I? Sometimes, anybody like me, you get restless and it's hard to like sit still. You guys, I mean, y'all need to all come up here. I'll sit over there and take notes. Anybody, um, for lack of a deep contentment and peace in your soul, you just mindlessly scroll on social media. And later on, you just realize that was just empty calories. I'm wasting my life with empty calories. Hello? Where am I eating? Because here's the other dangerous thing, too. You ever noticed you get hungry enough, you'll eat anything? <laughs> I said, uh-oh. Some of you think about Esau in the bowl of soup right now? Or the prodigal son that eventually eats the slop from the... I've noticed when I get hungry enough, I'll eat anything. Here's a, qu- here, here's a question today. Because this is what changed my life about ten years ago, but could it be possible to, to feed and retrain our taste buds to actually have a hunger for God? Well one of the things I remember um, i 've probably shared this before, but I remember about twelve years ago or whenever it was that was in Argentina, I came back from Argentina, and God had really just done a, a, a kind of a supernatural work in my life and I remember that first week I went to a Mexican restaurant and they need to put some good, by the way, just, this is just a, a note. They are getting ready to put a taco place called Torchis in Columbus and it's going to change your life. You just need to write that down, add it to your notes later. But there is a, uh, <laughs> you just get all kinds of things from these messages. But I was at a Mexican restaurant and, and I ate like two chicken cheese quesadillas. And you know that feeling when you're like just absolutely so full that the food you saw a minute ago now looks disgusting and repulsive? And you, you tell yourself, I'll never eat again for the rest of my life? Well, it was that moment I'd eaten, I'd just eaten way too much. Someone comes and sits down, and I see what, they, what they've picked to eat. And, uh, and I had that weird, you know, thought, like, how, how is it, this is weird that I, I craved this 20 minutes ago, and now it looks repulsive. And this may sound really super spiritual. I'm not that person that hears an audible voice from God, but I just really felt deep in my heart, and I'll paraphrase, it was almost like God was saying... And this is why you're not hungrier for me, because so many times you're already filled with so much junk. And, and the next day, but here's, what, but here, here's what was interesting. And so I, I found uh, in that season, and I wish I could say I've been consistent with this. In that season, I found the power that here, here's a principle in physical and soul. You hunger for what you feed on. Can I say some of you are like, why well, would you ever fast? You know the power of fasting? you're taking the taste away from things that are empty calories and you are retraining your taste and you're actually funneling your taste into spiritual things that will lead to life and joy and peace and strength and victory. And So anyways, during that season, I got really excited about this because then there's this other promise from Jesus where he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. And I was like, that's a great principle too. The, so the level of my hunger will determine the level of which I'm filled. Isn't that both sobering and exciting? That means if I'm only this hungry for God, I can only be filled this much. But if I will increase my spiritual appetite, come on, somebody do this. If I will grow my spiritual stomach, how much more could I experience? Hey, here's an inspiring but indicting thought. You and I right now both have as much of God as we want. And so the next day, I was I just, a fate or whatever, I was asked to speak at a Bible study at, at uh, somebody's house. There's only like 10 or 12 of us. And so I, I just... I gave this really simple thought about, about, the, uh, about hunger and how it, it draws the presence of God. And, and uh, after I got done speaking, it wasn't long. It wasn't anything great like today. It was just <laughs> 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 something like, I don't know about them. But afterwards, I just said, hey, we're going to turn off the lights. We're going to put on some worship. And then you ever heard yourself say something that the moment you say you're like, I don't know why, but out of my mouth came. And God's about to do miracles. And I looked around. I was like, hopefully no one heard that. I, don't, I, I didn't mean to say that. And then I was just like, God, I, I, I'm going to blame you, so please, you know. But what's crazy is I think what happened was through us just looking at some scriptures, God grew our appetite. And in the vacuum of that, he was able to come. And I'm just telling you, it may sound really spiritual, an unusual sense of God's presence filled that room. And Later on, we found out people had been addicted from i mean lifelong secret habits of addiction and um, and then at the very end the 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 pastor the worship pastor and his wife came up and they missed my great small group talk, but he had to carry her up the stairs it was on the third story because she had had a fluid build up on her knee for the last three weeks and not been able to walk, but she entered that room where the presence of God was just so. Thick and she began to weep and she said, would you guys pray for me? And I know it sounds crazy, but we prayed for her. And I'll never remember right there on the spot, God touched her and healed her. Literally, we watched it. And the fluid buildup disappeared and she walked out of that room. There's several other things like that that happened that night. What are you saying? Rush, you have powers? Absolutely not. What I'm saying is God draws near to hunger. And when we, if you and I can come to a place where we take the human hunger in our souls and stop feeding on crumbs, but redirect it, I love you know Matthew six, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled." I love the message paraphrase. It says, "Whip up a spiritual appetite for God." What if we whipped up a spiritual appetite for God? So there's a question: Where are you eating? Where are you eating? And uh, Jesus comes along and says, I'm the bread of life. And if you're anything like me, you, you, next you think, okay, that sounds really spiritual. But how do I eat this bread? You ever, you ever just read things like that and you clap? You're like, okay, that sounds great. How do I do that? And I do think there's more mystery in it than we'll ever know. I do know for me, the longer I follow Jesus, the more and more I taste of how good he really is. There's some things that don't come through feeling, they come through following. Um, But a a practical thought, and um, Janice, you can be in a place. I'll shut up eventually. But when I thought about this question of how do we taste of God, for whatever reason, I thought of the baptism of Jesus. Matthew 3, 16 through 17 says this. It says, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. And it may sound weird, maybe you think it's a, but I just saw a few things in there that just leapt out to me. Number one, why was Jesus not hungry? Why was he not scraping and clawing for what people think? And does this person approve of me? And what are they saying? And I need, I need. Well, no wonder, because before Jesus ever did his first miracle, before Jesus ever did his first good deed, he heard the Father from heaven speak and say, this is my son, I love him, he brings me joy. And that's gonna set somebody free in the room today that is trapped in the prison of performance or the prison of insecurity, that you are living and dying off the crumbs of what other people think or your last good performance, that before Jesus healed one person, taught one message, God said, I don't love you for what you can do, you're my son and I give you my full approval and I'm proud of you. And it was therefore from acceptance, not for acceptance. It was from approval, not for approval. It was from relationship, not for religion that Jesus full and secure and confident, satiated by the bread of his father's approval said, I am now free to come and serve the world. And I need that. How about you? So first, how how do I taste? I don't get in this book daily because it's a good religious thing to check off. I get in this book daily because I need to get in my soul what God Almighty says about me. I need to. I need to eat the word of God until it gets in my bones I can't wait till later on when I'm tempted and then wonder why I was too weak to fight out temptation, wonder why I was too weak to not get angry wonder why I was too weak to not respond how I want to respond, I want to be the kind of person that in the morning I have a feast and then throughout the day I taste the bread of his presence and then by the time the enemy comes I say I've already eaten, I don't need your crumbs, I've already eaten I don't need stolen bread, I don't need poisonous, toxic, stale crumbs, I've already eaten, I'm already full. You can't tempt me with a dessert if I've already had three filet mignons. Hello? And so God did that, here's another thing I say. I see, it says the Spirit of God descended on him. There's a lot of layers to this, but if I'm gonna live a life so full that I'm not only resistant to sin, but I overflow with joy, overflow with peace. I'm gonna need to live a life drenched with the Spirit of God. I'm gonna need to live a life of, again, go back to Exodus, the consecrated bread of His presence. In His presence, there's fullness of joy, in his his presence, his strength, in his presence. That that means that my, my deepest worship cannot be on Sunday morning, but it needs to be throughout the week when I'm in the car pouring out my praise to God, inviting his presence. Hey, I know this sounds cheesy. What if my dad was right? What if we should have bread at every meal? What if I should invite his presence into every moment? What if I need more than two hours on a Sunday? What if in the car this week, when I'm full of loneliness, instead of going to my coping music mechanism or doing the thing that I usually do in that moment, I stop and say, God, I invite you into this moment. I invite your spirit into this moment. I also see, this isn't really in the text, but the Bible says he was anointed by the spirit, but anointed by the spirit to do what? We see God, Jesus eventually quoted Isaiah 61 where he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Why? Because it's anointed me. Why? To preach the good news, to heal the brokenhearted, to bind up the captive. In other words, th- there's another place in scripture where, the, where Jesus tells the disciples something really interesting. He says, I have food to eat you don't even know about. And they say, what is it? And he says, to do the will of my father. Hey, I, uh, can I add a third P to presents and whatever the other one was? You, you wanna know how to eat and taste and stay full? Live on purpose. Live with purpose. You you know one of the reasons so many of us are so burnt out? It's not because we do too much. It's because we do too much of what we're not actually wired to do, designed to do, destined to do. See, when you actually live into the destiny, into the purpose, when you live to serve the world, when you live from a place of I'm on mission, when you live from a place of passion, it's actually self-renewing. That's one of the reasons we encourage so many people to serve here. We don't stress membership, we emphasize participation. Because what I found out is many times when I serve, more than the people who I serve getting impacted, I get impacted as I serve, because when I serve, I am eating soul food. And then most of all, because it's not a formula, what, what did God give them? You see it, he gave them relationship. We learned last week the truth is not an idea of truth is a person, bread is a person, and his name is Jesus. Last week I saw Tommy and a few people, I went to Cleveland to watch them do a fitness show. And Tony, I don't know if Tony's in here or, or I, anyways, uh, I went to Cleveland and several people in this community did a fitness show, is that what it's called? I don't know, and they won trophies. And I walked in and I, and I, knew, I knew one thing immediately, I looked at them and I looked at me and I thought, I don't belong. I don't, I don't, I do not belong in this place. They let me in somehow, but I do not belong. But you know what? At the very end, it was really cool. We all went out to eat and celebrate Tommy. And uh, it's such a discipline what they go through and hadn't eaten bread or really probably carbs in weeks. Yeah, some carbs, but probably not the double cheeseburger that you had that night in Cleveland. And I got a video. It's the new cheese. I want to show it real quick. (laughs) I don't even know where to go with this thing. Oh my god. Maybe take the thing out. The first thing in the middle of it. the It's like holding it together. That is the expression of someone that's not eaten good in a long time. And some of you have not eaten really well in a long time. And if you're just being really real, you're kind of starving today. And maybe you've eaten more than empty calories, maybe you've eaten some things that have actually left you emptier and more painful. But there is a healing nourishment. With all the empty crumbs of the world, out of heaven comes a steaming fresh loaf of bread and his name is Jesus and he's calling to you today. I wanna to end with this verse. God, a few thousand years before that, speaks of this craving of the soul through the prophet Isaiah and he says this, he says, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters and you who have no money, come and buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. And then he goes on and Let's go to the next slide if we can, or I can go to it. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me, listen that you may live. Would you stand to your feet? Wherever you're at, God is saying today, I am the nourishment that your soul craves. Quit just striving on that which does not fill you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room and you would just be honest and say, my soul has been hungry and I need to be filled today, would you be so bold to raise your hand? I wanna pray for you. There's hands, a lot of hands. If we're honest, probably probably as most of us, if you just, just be bold, hand straight to heaven. And I want to pray a prayer. God, I thank you for every honest person in this room and every soul that would just say, God, my soul needs a fresh touch. And I pray that the same spirit that descended on Jesus would fill them now. I pray you would fill them with power. I pray, oh God, that you would bring healing. God, anybody in the room that does not know you, that's not been introduced to the bread of life, God, today I pray they would not leave before finding someone and saying, I need to meet this Jesus. I need to meet the bread of life. And so God, today in your presence, would you touch everybody under the sound of my voice. If we have self-inflicted wounds from eating in the wrong places, would you heal them now? I pray an impartation of strength to every spirit that feels famished and weak and anemic. I pray a touch of your power and God, we just commit today as a people that moving forward, we're gonna eat at the table that you've set. Even for all of us, that may be walking through pain right now. Lord, Psalm 23, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, in the presence of our enemies, you prepare a table for us. And we choose to eat at that table today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning into this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We want to connect with you and we want to be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I wanna say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.